It would be helpful to uh, keep your Bible open uh, as we have a look at this parable together. Uh, Let me pray. Uh, Dear Lord, we do thank you that we can gather together to listen to your word. I pray that as I speak now that I'll be faithful to uh, to what uh, your word has to say through Luke. And uh, I pray that uh, as we hear, uh, that we will hear what you want us to hear. Amen. In our uh, parable today, uh, which is a story... Uh, that Jesus told, so it's not a a true story. Uh, He tells this familiar uh, uh, story about a guy who goes out to sow a field. And so he put a a large bag of of grain uh, across his shoulder and he'd walk through his paddocks, uh, which he'd prepared earlier, and he'd put a fistful into his bag and he'd throw out this seed. Uh, And as he went along, some of it would have fallen on uh, the hard path and the birds come and, and they pick it up and, and fly away. Uh, some it would fall uh, on rocky ground where there's not enough nutrition to really sustain it. So it starts to grow, uh, but then uh, it simply gets overwhelmed by you know, the heat of the day. And then some falls amongst the thorns and other uh, falls on the good soil. And sometime later, he will go back And he's looking forward to looking out over the works of his hands and seeing this enormous thriving crop. You know, if you were there listening to this story, this would be all very familiar stuff. You know, it was an agricultural kind of community. Uh, They'd understand uh, sowing a field. Uh, They'd understand the, the grain falling in different places. And then Jesus concludes, those who have ears to hear, let him hear. Here endeth the lesson. Thanks for coming. Have a nice day. I'm here all week. Uh, You can imagine uh, standing there listening to this going, you know, I've heard that this Jesus is a great and wise teacher. But I have absolutely no idea what he is talking about. I get the words, I get the whole field thing. I just don't get what he means. Uh, And if that was you standing there scratching your head, uh, then you would have been in good company uh, because the disciples were just as perplexed. Uh, Fortunately, they asked Jesus uh, what he's talking about and he goes on, to explain the meaning. Uh, and the big question for us today is, you know, what do you connect with the most? Out of all these soils that Jesus describes, which one resonates with you? And perhaps more significantly, what would it be or what would it look like to be the good soil who goes on to produce a crop? And so the disciples asked Jesus, you know, what are you talking about? But Jesus, before he goes on to then, you know, explain the parable, he, he gives a quote from Isaiah. Those who have ears to hear, let him hear. And, they'll be, and then he goes on to talk about how they'll be always hearing but never perceiving. And the quote is actually part of a larger quote. So often uh, in the Bible when they give a quote, it's sort of the shorthand version and you should be able to recall you know, the, the extended version and the original context. So in the original context, God, God's saying to Isaiah, 
Go and tell this people. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, For how long, Lord? And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant. So Jesus' word is actually a word of judgment. So he's teaching them something about uh, how people respond to the message of Jesus. But he's also speaking about their hardness and their deafness and their unwillingness to really hear what is being said. Because hearing is more than just understanding the words, isn't it? It's more than just comprehension. It's actually taking something to heart, to actually owning it and then responding to it, to living it out. And so here Jesus is calling them to not just hear the story, but to actually genuinely listen and hear what it means. Uh, In your car, you've got a a little light, a little engine light. Uh, When that little light comes on, any light on the dash is bad news, basically. Uh, When when a little light comes on, uh, you might not know what that light means. You might have no idea. Uh, But anything that's got to do with little engines or oil, that's usually bad. Uh, But even if you don't know what it means, it's saying you really need to, to find out, don't you? And if you don't do anything about it, if you continue to ignore that little light, then worse things can happen. So hypothetically, you could be driving along in your 2009 Avensis, for example, and you could ignore that light and think, well, I've really got to get home. And so you keep on going. And then what you discover is actually you've just cooked the engine and you need a new engine and I'm not bitter or anything. You know, when, when, there's, uh, when you're hearing uh, or seeing this light, you know, th- there's a call to action. And for these people listening to Jesus, even though it's hard to understand, there's a call to respond, to actually try to work out what he's actually saying. You know, we can't just go, you know what, I really don't have time to think about God. Life's busy. And have you seen the size of that book? Like, it's huge. You know, it's too hard to read, so I'm just sort of going to leave God on the back burner. You know, that's for another time, another day, perhaps when things are a little bit more urgent. Uh, but Jesus is calling these people not just to hear a pleasant little story, but to actually listen to what it means. And so with that warning in mind, let's have, look at what Jesus has to say. How does he explain his story? And so what we start with is the seed is the word of God. So from the beginning of creation, we have a God who chooses to speak and to make himself known. So he spoke the universe into existence. The heavens declare the glory of God. He spoke through his prophets. Most dramatically, he spoke through Jesus, flesh amongst us, walking, talking with us. And now he speaks through his word. So as he inspires the writers of the Bible, their personality, their context, but inspired and directed by God, he speaks 
to us. And so as we open up the Bible each week, what we're praying is that God convicts us of what he wants to hear. And the heart of the message is the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. And with that comes a call to repent and believe and follow Jesus as Lord and Saviour. But for some, that message falls on hard, deaf ears. And so the path represents those who hear the word of God but have absolutely no interest whatsoever. I think most of us would have friends or family who, you know, we can resonate with with this sort of scenario, can't we? You know, they have no interest. Uh, They see no relevance in God, Jesus or the Bible. Uh, It might make for a slightly interesting dinner conversation uh, if you've run out of talk about politics, Uh, but it doesn't get anywhere near anything personal or close to the heart. And as Jesus describes what's going on, he talks about Satan who comes along and picks up this seed. And it's kind of an interesting little inclusion, isn't it? You know, you might even start to think, well, hang on, that doesn't seem really fair that even before they start to really think about Jesus, it gets snatched away. And at least in part, we can see uh, in this passage that it starts with a hard heart. These are hard people uh, who are already hard to the gospel. And then Satan, even within his limited capacity and power, wants to take away what morsel of chance there is. And so this passage starts with personal responsibility and culpability. And another good example of something like this was Pharaoh back in the time of Moses. So in Exodus 9, uh, it says, When Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had stopped, he sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. But then just a, a little bit later... It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his officials, so that I might perform these signs of mine amongst them. And so what we have is these two intersecting realities. On one hand, there's personal responsibility and culpability. And on the other hand, the judgment of God. And we see these two things coming together. And that's kind of what we're seeing here in this parable. Hard hearts with the gospel snatched away. And then we have the seed that falls amongst the rocks. So they hear the good news about Jesus. They're excited. You know, they respond with with a joy, but it's superficial. And so what starts off looking so good, very quickly withers and dies. When life becomes tough, following Jesus just simply becomes too much. I think often uh, when we look at the the pain and the struggling uh, around us in the world, we're not particularly confronted, are we? You know, we watch the news each night and it really is just one depressing story after the next. And we might be a little saddened, uh, but it's it's often not gut-wrenching, is it? Uh, Until it happens to us. Until that story that we're watching on TV actually becomes our story or, or our situation. And then our perspective changes dramatically, doesn't it? All of a sudden, it's deeply personal and deeply hurtful. And for some, and for, perhaps for many, 
when difficult times come, it becomes overwhelming. And so rather than turning to God in this moment of crisis and praying for his comfort and peace and support, they turn away from God and become embittered and angry. And there's a real tragedy in that, isn't there? That the time when they need God the most, they feel God is furthest and then walk away completely. We are all going to go through times of suffering in life. The only question is when that will happen and what will happen. And so in these quieter moments when life is good, when we can sit and read God's word with a clear mind, uh, we need to be clear about where we stand with Jesus so that when those dark times do come, that we are ready and prepared. And for many in this room, you've done that journey uh, maybe once, maybe twice, maybe many times. Uh, For others, it is something in the future. But whatever it is, let's trust God now, prepare for it now, knowing that difficult times will come. The third soil is amongst the thorns. And again, something good starts to grow. But then the worries and the pleasures of life overwhelm them. Uh, I think for me, and as I look at my friendships around me and the mates who I went to church with, so I know a number of my friends continue being Christians, uh, but perhaps my closest friends gave up. Uh, And when I look back and I see what happened, I think I feel the thorns perhaps more closely and more sharply than the rest. Uh, Because in life, often what happens is it's not a dramatic moment. It's not a moment of crisis. It's simply that things get busy. You start focusing on a new job or a new career and, you know, the money that comes with that, but also the stresses and the responsibilities and the desires for, you know, to be respected and to to get ahead. Uh, Or perhaps it's desire for, for a house. You know, if I can get a house, I'll feel good and secure about life. And so we commit ourselves financially, we commit ourselves to, you know, the eyeballs uh, to make it happen because this is going to make life good. Uh, Or perhaps it's a relationship or perhaps it's our our hobbies or our sports. Uh, But we can get so busy filling up our lives, sometimes with really good things, that what we end up doing is leaving just a morsel for God. And then with a bit more time that gets filled up as well. And that's what happens to the thorns. Just slowly and surely, often undramatically, they choke the living daylights out of this fledgling faith. I think we do it as adults, we do it to ourselves. Uh, But I also think uh, as parents, we sometimes do it to our children. So we're so busy wanting to give them every opportunity and we don't want them to miss anything that we potentially neglect the two most important things. Firstly, their their love for Jesus, far and above everything else. But secondly, even time and love with their family. We're so busy doing everything, we neglect sometimes what's straight in front of us. But in both of these last scenarios, in the, the seed that fell amongst the rock and amongst the thorns, 
You can see what's happening practically in life, but it does beg the question, what's happening spiritually? I mean, these people started off looking good. You know, my friends as young adults were at church together, Bible study together, we prayed together, uh, we shared the gospel with people together. Uh, What happened to those people? Was their faith real or was it something else? And if you can look good for a time, Uh, but then fall away, well, what does that say about my faith? Uh, Will I persevere uh, into the future? And it's easy to say, will God hold on to me? Because the answer to that is yes, of course he will. Is God strong enough to hold on to you? Absolutely. But the harder question is, is he holding on to me? Am I living in God's grace? And this passage doesn't answer all of those questions, but one of the things it says is what characterises true faith, life-giving, saving, filled with the Holy Spirit faith, one of the things that characterises that is perseverance. And perseverance that then goes on to produce a crop. And so as you wake up each day and you continue to love Jesus and you continue to desire to serve him and to see him glorified. Uh, Not perfectly, clearly not perfectly, but earnestly. Uh, Then we continue to have confidence that God's grace is sufficient. We can continue to be confident in the faith we have now and the faith that we have in the future. And even at times, even that will look pretty wobbly. You know, think back to the, the story of King David. So King David is described in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. Okay, that's pretty good. But there was an episode in his life where he commits adultery. He then lies and tries to manipulate his way out of it. And then when all of that fails, he facilitates the husband's murder. That is pretty black isn't it you know if we're talking about getting out of step with the spirit that's about as out of step as it gets and yet God is merciful and God actually forgives David and restores David and brings him back into his family so we can walk an awfully long way off but if our faith is genuine then God will bring us back And God will gather us back into his family. And if today you're here and you're feeling, uh, you're a Christian, but you're feeling an awful lot more like a sinner than a saint, uh, then take comfort from David's words. And perhaps this is a good prayer for you. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. It's a great prayer, isn't it? Particularly when you know what David has done and gone through. It's a wonderful prayer to pray. So, so far, uh, this parable, which started off as just a pleasant little, you know, agricultural story, uh, has ended up being a little bit bleak. Uh, But as Jesus explains the parable, uh, we do get to good news. Uh, There is a crop at the end. It's not all hopeless. Uh, that there is this good soil and this good soil goes on to produce something uh, that is is fantastic, it's spectacular. Uh, And isn't that what we all want? If we're Christians, uh, we want to go on and make a difference for God. We want to make a difference 
in the world around us. At the beginning uh, of each of our services, I put up uh, this little reminder and and a little bit of a statement of what we stand for as a church. And if we look at that crop of what we want to produce, then it should look something like this. So it starts with a love for Jesus and acknowledging that he is the one who we should rightfully worship. He is the one who we should love and obey, not begrudgingly, but because he created us and he knows us and he knows what is good for us. And we should love his word because through it he teaches us how to live. It's a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. Secondly, we want to be a community that that grows together, that genuinely cares for each other, that desires each other's godliness, even more than we desire each other's friendship. And together, he's gathered a diverse community. But each person has a unique role and part to play. I remember uh, when I was a young and I was at a Christian camp, sitting around a campfire. You might have even heard uh, this illustration. Uh, and uh, it was talking about what does it mean to be you know, God's people and the importance of gathering with other Christians. Uh, and the leader uh, took a stick and he poked out one of the, the hot coals. And so you've got this burning red hot fire. And as you bring this coal out, you've got this hot coal you know, sitting to the side. Uh, but very quickly it goes from you know, burning red uh, to rather dull red and very quickly uh, to black. And in a few minutes you can pick it up and, and throw it away. Uh, and his point was that as God's people, uh, we do best when we are gathered with God's people. We're kind of like a coal in the fire. Uh, not only do we benefit from it, but we contribute to it. Uh, but alone, uh, actually, it's very hard to walk alone. And often it becomes overwhelming. Uh, and the world gets the better of us rather than listening and being encouraged by God's people. We do better together. And as a community of God's people, I hope we are characterised by generosity and grace. Because certainly as I've read uh, Luke, uh, for me, as I've been encouraged as we've preached through it, I think the themes that have stood out to me perhaps more than any other is God's generosity and grace to us and how we're called to be generous and gracious to others. Thirdly, We're called to speak the good news of Jesus. And part of the crop we produce will be through our fumbling efforts as we talk to other people about Jesus. And we're not always going to get it clear and we're not always going to get it all right. But as part of God's plan, he is gathering his people together. That's been his plan right from the beginning. Uh, At the end of Luke, uh, Jesus will say these words, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Uh, That was Jesus' purpose as he came to proclaim the good news and to bring it into fruition. And now we're called to continue the same legacy. As the gospel went out from Jerusalem, it eventually, miraculously, made it to Australia. And then it made it to Shell Harbour. And here we are in our community where God has placed us and we've got an opportunity to share the good news with people around us. 
We might not all be evangelists. We might not all want to stand up at carols or something like that. But you can share your story of how God has saved you and the grace that he has shown you. Uh, We've got relationships around us. Uh, You can ask questions. Ask what people think about life, meaning and everything. We can do those things. Uh, Pray that God gives us the words to speak and a clarity that perhaps we feel is beyond us. And finally, we're called to support those who are least able to support themselves. So it might be uh, emotional support, it might be physical support, it might be financial support. But as the kingdom of God comes into this world, we live it out in the present, in the way that we love those who are in need, and particularly those who cannot help themselves. And for some of us, uh, we find that relatively easy, particularly if you're more of an extroverted personality. Uh, You don't mind talking to, to lots of people or just going up to a stranger. Uh, For others, we can find that incredibly daunting. Uh, But whoever you are, whatever your particular context, where's something you can do? Can you invite someone over for a cup of tea or coffee? If you don't like people in your house, if you find that a bit difficult, you know, meet them in the square, have a cup of coffee over there. You know, is there someone you can can give them a call and just encourage them or drop over a small gift? Uh, it's not about the, the financial value of the gift. It's, it's the symbol of the gift that's valuable. Uh, but we all can do something to express our love and support for others. Uh, and we all appreciate it, don't we? You know, even if you're not really big on gifts and that kind of thing, you do appreciate when someone says you know, a word of affirmation, a word of encouragement, or gives you something, or gives, you know, whatever it is. Uh, it's often the small things. But as God's people... How do we support those who are most in need? And we do all of this recognising that it's God's word who guides us. It's God's spirit who strengthens us. And we have the people of God around us to encourage us. So this passage started off as a pleasant farming story. Uh, We've now ended uh, in something that I think is, is far more challenging. Easy to understand relatively, uh, but incredibly difficult to apply in our lives. Uh, And can I ask the question that I asked at the beginning? Who do you relate to most closely in this story? And if you're the hard person, if you're the uh, rocky ground, if you're amongst the thorns, what would it look like for things to be different? What questions do you need answered? What action do you need to take? What do you need to let go of that's perhaps becoming all-consuming? And what would it look like to be a crop that produces a hundredfold? Let me pray. Dear Lord, we do uh, thank you for your word uh, that you teach us and guide us uh, and at times challenge and rebuke us. Uh, Lord, I pray as we uh, have reflected on this parable today, Uh, that you speak to each of us. Help us to be uh, honest with ourselves, uh, to recognise who we are most like. Uh, And Lord, I pray that you convict us by your spirit, uh, that we need to come back to you. Amen.